Welcome to Emran's podcast, episode number 67. This is your host, Suman Silwal. Yeah, uh, I think my words of advice um, coming off of Western states would be uh, respect the distance. Uh, 100 miles is a long way to run. Visit emrans.com to listen to our previous podcast episodes, links to our social media channels, and get race discount codes. I'd like to welcome Jackie Merritt to Emron's podcast. Jackie recently finished uh, Western State, seventh female overall. And Jackie, welcome to Emron's podcast again. Your Emron's podcast, uh, episode number 37. I think that's, uh, it's been, I think we talked in November. And uh, welcome back. Yeah, thank you for having me. So how how's your recovery going from Western State? Uh, well, I just got home um, yesterday uh, afternoon from a red-eye flight from Canada. I had to fly straight to Canada to give a work presentation at a conference right after Western State. So not a lot of sleeping, um, but uh, I'm doing better now <laughs> after <laughs> I'm catching up on sleep. So you're walking normal and everything? Because uh, Western State is yeah. pretty brutal, correct? Yeah, I was actually pretty beat up after it, um, but just because of all the downhill, just you know, really um, does some shredding to your muscles uh, with all all of those eccentric contractions. But um, yeah, it, it left me pretty sore for a few days, but doing better now. I think the the worst thing I have lingering is this like really bad like you know blister under the toenail that like the toenail needs to fall off and just like one of those things and just like so <laughs> painful but yeah. that's that's my biggest complaint right now so yeah. i guess it's not too bad <laughs> yeah, not too not too bad from considering what you what you just gone through last several months uh talking about mm-hmm. that uh when I, when we talked last time, you had no plan of Western State, or I, I don't remember we talked talked about Western State. We talked about a lot about Penhody. How did you get into Western State? Um, I was uh, the second place finisher, at, uh, female finisher at the Georgia Death Race, and um, it the Georgia Death Race is a golden ticket race, which means um, there's uh, it's one of the few races where um, the first and second place uh, male and female finisher get an automatic entry into uh, Western states so that they can go there and compete if they want. And um, if you don't know much about Western states, it is extremely difficult to get into uh, with the lottery. You have to qualify to uh, put your name in the lottery. And then I think when your name's in the lottery, you have like a 2% chance of getting picked um, with one ticket in the lottery. Um, and so a lot of people have been waiting for several years to get in. Um, and so it was definitely a really nice, um, you know, way for me to uh, get my entry into the race with the golden ticket. Definitely. That's always, I guess, easier to Get in, get into the Western State. Uh, yeah, I know a lot of people are trying, and uh, and it's a lot, a lot of ticket. And every year you got to qualify. I think I, I qualified once and never applied. So so this year I'm I'm running Pinhoti, and I think I'm gonna go ahead and apply for it. So yeah, so, you should. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward because that's probably my bucket list uh, to do uh, race. But uh, yeah. Uh, before we uh, uh, start talking about Western State, tell us about how 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 you how did you do your training for Western State? Uh, you ran Georgia Death Race. I remember uh, other races you did uh, throughout the spring. Um, uh, tell us about how did you prepare for Western State? Yeah, so actually, um, my Western State's preparation really did start with Georgia Death Race um, because I, Georgia Death Race was on April first. Western State's is on uh, June twenty fourth. Um, so really, only like several weeks in there to kind 
kind of turn around from GDR and, um, you know, get in shape for Western states. So I think that was really, for me, the big challenge of the whole thing going into Western states was, um, you know, obviously, I needed to optimally prepare for um, GDR because I, I wanted to make sure that, um, you know, I gave it my all and I was in great shape and in a good position to get the golden ticket. And then, of course, once I got the golden ticket, it was um, a matter of balancing recovery, but also kind of trying to um, gear myself up for Western states and get a little more specific training in there. So um, my training for the Georgia death race leading into there um, really started in like around late December, January for that. And it was a lot of just pure strength running. I mean, just like vigorous hiking up mountains um, on, you know, treadmill on the steepest grade it went. And then I'd stuff, you know, sometimes I stuffed like books underneath the front of the treadmill to get it even steeper, um, just to try to simulate the the grades that you see at the Georgia death race. Um, so just a lot of strength running there, not a lot of um, speed work. I had a few sessions, but really it was a lot of a lot of strength and strengthening and lunges and squats and, and the whole deal there. Um, and I was just really strong going into Georgia death race. And I really think I prepared myself well for that. Then after Georgia death race, um, took me probably like three weeks to really kind of recover, um, enough that I could really start hitting my workouts again. And, uh, and once I, I was recovered from Georgia death race, I, I just started hitting the speed stuff really hard, uh, preparing for Western States. So I, I was, you know, I was on the track every week. I was doing, you know, at least two like tempo run, like hard tempo runs a week. Um, of course, getting in the long stuff, um, getting out to some really uh, like less technical, but, um, you know, long sustained climbing on the weekends and just hammering the downhill. Because um, if you don't know about the Western States course, it's uh, it's got about 24,000 feet of net descent and I think like 18,000 feet of climbing. Um, and so there's just a lot of downhill. So you just really need to make sure your legs are, you know, ready to handle it all. Definitely. Uh, talking about that, there's two things you mentioned about uh, speed work and a treadmill workout. Uh, you don't hear a lot of uh, ultra runners, um, and th- that I know of, uh, tried those, especially treadmill that you were trying to do, simulate the treadmill to the straight uphill. Talk about that a little bit. My treadmill that I was using at the time went to um, 15%, and Georgia death race grades are far above 15% um, in, in the beginning of the race. And it's just, um, you know, the type of grades that, uh, you know, unless you have one of those, you know, Nordic track treadmills that I think go to like 40%, um, you really... Uh, need to go out of your way to try to simulate that grade. So um, I, at least a couple of times I, I went in the gym and I would just put like some of my neuroscience textbooks under the front of the treadmill <laughs> to like <laughs> get it a little steeper grade. Um, and, and it certainly uh, worked. Um, it was certainly a lot harder. And then just, the, you know, essentially hiked as hard as I could. And, uh, you know, in, in intervals, a lot of times. Um, and so those type of workouts were harder than a lot of my um, tempo runs or track sessions. I mean, it was just like really intense um, hiking. But um, yeah, I mean, essentially, the idea is just to try to get the, you know, surfaces you're training on to be as specific as you can to what you're going to see on race day. So anything helps um, with doing that. So that's kind of how I did it. Got you. I, I do use treadmill at least once or twice a week. Uh, try to a lot of time my treadmill workout is more speed than uh, than try to do elevation. I do try to um, 
due to elevation, but but uh, I, I'm more focused on speed. But that's very interesting because for me, is you know, <laughs> as I'm training for a hundred miler, maybe that's also I need to think about just kind of hike on the on the treadmill instead of trying to go out and hike the straight mountains and stuff. So I mean, you know. So. Yeah, and for me, I I don't get uh I don't I can't get out to the mountains a lot during the week, so the treadmill just um, offers a good option for just getting in some climbing during the week. Definitely, that's a that's kind of where where my thoughts are. Let's talk about the speed run. Um, how how did the speed run help for for ultra runners? Yeah, so um, it helps with several systems. I mean, you know, metabolically, you're kind of um, you know, people think of ultra running, they think, well, why do I need speed? I'm never going to be running at six minute pace during the ultra. Um, and uh, I mean, it really that that might be true, but you are certainly going to be tapping into some of your anaerobic systems. You know, going up climbs and you know um, passing people and whatever, you know, you might need little, you're going to need little surges of um, anaerobic power the whole time and uh, speed and strength training just immensely help with that. Um, And then of course it helps with leg turnover. There's um, a lot of study research I could go on about, you know, showing really um, important neuromuscular adaptations for, you know, um, using uh, like fast twitch muscle fibers and stuff that you're not going to use just that, you know, your long, slow runs. So while your long, slow runs are, are certainly important, um, and tap into a different, uh, you know, metabolic state, um, you know, the, the faster seed stuff, uh, intervals and, you know, longer sustained tempo runs are incredibly important. Um, and I think if you don't do those in your training and you start doing those, you're going to see, um, really, uh, incredible improvements in your running. Definitely. I, I do put a speed workout now. I do once a week and I, I'm getting better at it. So I, I'm usually uh, doing the speed workout for more of my marathons, not for uh, ultra distance kind of talk to you realize I may able to use that even for my 100 mile or any ultra distance races as well mm-hmm, definitely yeah and really only um once a week is is usually plenty to do like longer speed sessions um a lot of times I'll do like striders like every other day or every every third day um which are basically just like sets of like 10 to 20 second sprints at the end of any run um so you're really not getting super tired but you're still kind of tapping into those um you know fast twitch muscle fibers and those uh, neuromuscular systems and um, it can also really help with your running efficiency and form too just to get those um, you know really quick striders in at the end of your runs definitely uh, do you go to a track workout and, and uh, do the do the intervals and stuff like that it, or or just like what you mentioned uh, some of this striders and some of the speed at the end how, how do you put that in yeah you can do striders anywhere i mean i do striders in the parking lot in front of my house um but for uh for the speed intervals and stuff i like going to the track because it's um i like uh that the numbers are are very objective and um you know obviously the surface on the track isn't doesn't change but um I mean, if you don't, if you really hate the track, um, you don't need a track to do, you know, interval work. You can, you know, all you need is a watch. Um, I, I wouldn't, if, if someone like absolutely hates the track, I would, I would not, you know, try to, sw- you know, persuade them to go to the track to get, get it done. I mean, you, you should just do what you 
you know, run where you like running and, you know, do the work you need to do to get better and faster. Definitely. But let's switch our focus to Western State. Uh, here you qualified and ready to go. Uh, I remember uh, talking and listening and uh, there's a lot of chatter about Western State. Uh, there are a lot of fast women, including your names were included as a wild card. Let's talk about Western State. How did you, how did you feel about lining up to the Western State finally? <laughs> um, it was definitely exciting. Um, I mean, I don't really get to I've never really raced a uh, you know a women's field that competitive before uh, there were you know at least 20 women in on that entry list that could have you know easily contended for um, a top 10 position and that was really my goal going into the race like I really wanted um, you know one of those top 10 spots and so um, you know you never know you know with a hundred miler you can be in the best shape of your life sometimes and sometimes it doesn't matter and and stuff happens um, and so uh, you know I kind of I kind of you know tried to be confident but at the same time I I respected the distance um, and so kind of lining up I was um I guess I was cautiously confident <laughs> and uh I was I was just trying to be um very careful um toward the beginning because you just see every single year um really good runners going to western states and everything seems to fall apart um at Forest Hill which is mile uh 62 um and really where a lot of the the racing and a lot of the passing and and kind of where people um really start surging ahead and that do well and maintain their position and so my goal going in and at the starting line was to kind of um keep things together, especially considering um, the heat that was predicted for the day until Forest Hill. And then once I hit Forest Hill, my plan was to just, you know, throw down and give it everything that I had left in me um, until the finish line. And so that's that's basically what I did. <laughs> and it looks like it worked uh, worked for you. Uh, talk about uh, the snow section. There's, I heard a lot about that as well. Uh, people are sliding and falling. And uh, it kind of hurt a lot of people uh, because of the whole effort they had to put through the snow let's talk about that a little that section of the course yeah the snow was pretty bad um i had heard a lot about western states i'd heard about the dry heat i'd heard about you know baking in the canyons i'd heard about getting exposed in the sun i'd heard about the dust um and the altitude but the snow and the mud and the like following the trail hmm. uh were things that i had never heard or read um anyone talking about so um yeah so we we started started on the race and uh for the first you know mile or so everything's clear you're kind of starting up this dirt road to start climbing and then we hit the snow toward the top of the uh escarpment and um it was pretty bad i mean it was like probably it was like a couple feet deep it was kind of like that hard packed ski snow but like kind of icy on the top so there mm. was just a lot of um slipping and sliding and of course you're going up so your feet are kind of sliding back on you um i have like b-sized feet in other words, opposite of snowshoes. So my feet were just like having a really tough time um, getting getting through that stuff. Um, and then so you had the snow and then, you know, there were these like hollowed out sections under some patches of the snow where like you would hit them and um, your foot would just punch through and your whole leg would like sink in and, um, you know, up to like your mid thigh or my mid thigh. So, wow. Um, 
yeah, there was there was a lot of struggle there. Um, and then on the on the top of the mountain where there's you know usually some nice runnable sections and even like some undulating downhills and flats, um, you were running on this like icy snow at like this side camber that was just like impossible to run on, and you were like sliding down the mountain and like oh, I fell so many times. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting kind of frustrated on that section. Um, it was definitely I was definitely struggling a bit. Um, and I really had to, to stay together mentally. Um, then we hit this like three mile section of mud and it was just like this like ankle sucking mud that just grabbed your legs and didn't let up. And so <laughs> of course that's like, and it was like really gritty, like rocky mud. So it was like all getting in my socks and my shoes and, um, I'd have to stop at like streams and just totally take off my shoes and socks and just rinse it out because I knew if um, I didn't address it, I was going to definitely um, have a lot of feet issues and pay for it later. And I did not want my day to end because of um, just feet issues that I, I wasn't prepared for or didn't address. So I definitely took a, a lot of extra time up there um, that I, I probably shouldn't have if I was a little more prepared um, for those conditions. But it is what it is. And I was I was a little frustrated getting through that. But, um, you know, after about like 20 miles or so, things started heating up and there were there was less snow. And I changed my um, socks out and rinsed out my shoes really well at Robinson Flat, which is mile 30, um, and taped up my feet because I was starting to get some like hot spots from all that that gritty stuff in there. Um, and then it didn't really bother me the rest of the day. So I'm glad that I took that extra time um, on that section. And I was getting frustrated. But the whole time I was just telling myself, you know, the race hasn't started yet. Um, there's no need to waste a ton of energy to try to battle the elements here, which I think I think a lot of people did. I think a lot of people were kind of holding on to their time goals, um, even with the conditions and, um, and they just wasted a lot more energy than they should have in those first 30 miles and a lot more energy than they normally did on any other year. Definitely. So. Uh, yeah, one other thing uh, you talked about in this whole ice, ice section, we, we had that in a, here in the Mountain Mist, uh, I think two years ago. 2016 mm -hmm. and it was just ice and then after you've done with the ice there was a mud not an extent but with the ice you can slide in and out <laughs> i did so much sliding falling down in the mm -hmm. race it's not fun uh, if any of the listeners they have not run through ice it's not fun at all and uh, no uh, it's not well it's not not my thing at least and um and yeah i mean you you use a lot more energy just with like you know you can feel it in your muscles just trying to like stabilize your joints and everything um and and protect your joints so um you definitely use a lot more energy even at a slower pace going through all that stuff and definitely like you said it's so early in the race it's like it's it's amazing how how you had to survive through that for a hundred mile i haven't done gone through that yeah uh talk about that uh, i was thinking uh so did they allow uh people to use a spike uh, kind of shoes or kind of anybody had that or or nobody kind nope, of it's not allowed in the race. No, oh. no spikes, no pulls. Um, you're not just not allowed to use them. Um, not that I would have like used them anyway. I mean, I was like so unprepared. I didn't even have on like high enough socks or gaiters or anything. But <laughs> which I would, I would do um, next year. I would definitely that. That's what I would change about my footwear. I would, I would pack extra shoes, which I actually didn't pack extra trail shoes, but I did have socks, so that's kind of what saved me. And I would wear gaiters, and I would probably wear higher socks even though i don't usually like wearing high socks because of like the heat around the ankles and stuff but i would do it to to save my uh feet a little better next time definitely
Certainly. Talk about the heat that you just mentioned. Uh, uh, in Western state, heat is also a part of the whole, you know, whole uh, what do you call it, the struggle that Experience. you all had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's talk heat, about the heat. Heat is always part of the, uh, the Western state's experience in some way. I mean, you read about it every year. What was crazy to me was that, um, you know, we had these like conditions in the snow and everything. And it, it wasn't really, it was never cold. Uh, I mean, I started with like a, you know, the same thing I wore all day um, and no extra layers. But the crazy thing was there was that much snow and ice and stuff. And then it just, once you got out of high, high country, um, you know, which is after that first 30 miles, um, it was just a scorcher out there. I mean, it was like over a hundred degrees in the canyons and it had been like 110 degrees all week. So the, uh, the like um, dirt road that you run on, dirt roads and stuff you run on that are really exposed were just like hot. So you were kind of like getting heat from the sun down, fully exposed, and then you're getting heat from the ground up and you're just kind of like, you know, baking there right in the middle of it all. And it just, it, it's really hot. Um, but I think I, going into the heat, I mean, I was prepared for the heat. I knew that was coming. And so, um, you know, I did, I did heat training and everything. Um, this, uh, for Western States, this is actually the first time I did any heat training in a, in a sauna. Um, and that was probably the, my least favorite part of training um, for this whole thing. Like I just really hated going in the sauna and just sitting in there for like 40 minutes or so every time. And it was like 180 degrees in my sauna. Like it was hot. Wow. Um, you know, like really hot. Like I would, I would be like lightheaded when I, and woozy when I got out because my water bottles would melt when I took them in. So I couldn't really like drink or anything while I was in there. <laughs> and I'd be like four pounds um, lighter when I got out because I just like sweat out everything. Wow. Um, but yeah, I did, I did a lot of heat training, which I definitely think benefited me for that. Um, and then I think where a lot of people might've kind of messed up a little bit, um, for the heat is, you know, people always talk about all this heat training they do and everything. But, um, I think that, you know, you can do all the heat training you want, but you still have to manage the heat and you still have to keep your core, do everything you can to keep your core temperature low on the actual race day. And I started, um, you know, cooling myself off really early. So, uh, when I, I, before I even felt hot, like up in, uh, Duncan Canyon, which is where I first saw my crew mile, like 22 and a half. So we were still in high country and I really wasn't even feeling that warm or that hot. It was still, you know, like early in the morning and, um, my crew was already putting ice in my pack and putting, you know, I was wearing my ice bandana and just like hosing me down, um, with ice water. So I started cooling myself off before I felt hot and I just kept it up all day. So there's usually like an aid station at Western States. They're pretty frequent. They're every like, you know, five miles or, or, you know, I think the distance between them is like seven to three miles. So, um, every single aid station, like every single one, I, um, with the exception of maybe like the very last one in the middle of the night, but I, I got ice at every single one at least. And like had them sponge off, you know, like put cold water on my head with the sponges they had and everything. Um, just cause I was, I was just being really, um, on top of it, you know, keeping my core temperature as low as I could and um, keeping myself cool. And honestly, the heat to me didn't really feel that unbearable. Really. Do they have like a dry heat or, or like a humid like we have it right now in, in South? <laughs> Everyone talks about it being like this dry heat. Um, and it certainly wasn't like as humid. Apparently, it was actually more humid um, at Western States than it ever it ever had been before. Like it was like 80% humidity, which is pretty humid for them. Um, it didn't feel that humid 
to me because, you know, I live in Atlanta, but um, I think that might have messed up some other people from out west. But um, but yeah, they everyone talks about this dry heat and it doesn't feel that hot. I mean, it yeah, it's not as humid, but it definitely feels hot. I mean, <laughs> they're like, it's not going to be that bad. I was definitely telling myself this is going to be really hot. And it, it definitely was really hot. So um, yeah, it's like it's like a dry heat and it's like dusty. But um, yeah, you still definitely need to be be prepared to you know, deal with it, even though it's not not quite as humid. But yeah, it was a little more humid this year. Definitely. Talking about uh, difficulty level, uh, how difficult the whole entire course uh, for the Western State beyond if if you had to run run this course without any of the struggle, how difficult the course is? Um, There's definitely like some sections that are pretty challenging. And I think overall, like the course as a whole, like no part of it is incredibly is is really really bad i think it's just all of it together hmm. um brings a lot of challenges you know you've got um the high country the altitude um, which, you know, I, I was definitely feeling the, that was the other thing I was struggling with at the beginning was the altitude a little bit. Um, and I didn't think I was going to feel it quite as much as I did, but I, I definitely was feeling it. Um, you've got, you know, altitude, you've got snow, you've got the mud and the grit up there and high country, a ton of climbing. Um, and, and actually everyone ha- talks about how West states is like these smooth buttery trails and um i did not really think that it was for the majority of the course i think actually it's it's pretty it's mild to moderately technical in a lot of sections um and i'm not sure if it's because of like the washout from all the rain and stuff and high country um but it's it was fairly technical so i think it's like just everything you know all the stuff you have to deal with in high country then you come down and you just get like scorched in the heat in the canyons and then um by the time you get to all the runnable stuff um people who have just you know been pushing the pace and pushing the elements all day are just are done and by the time you get to forest hill which is like mile 62 and can actually get some really nice downhill running and then you know the rest of the race is these like rolling like single track um trail for the majority of it um (laughs) and you're actually ready to run a lot of people just don't have anything left so i think i think everything together just makes it um just makes it really challenging definitely uh talking about that uh running and racing after 62 over the over the day you kind of progress from the where you're standing uh you kept on moving and i saw post uh, a lot of people kept on posting i was uh i was uh i was excited to see you keeping moving up and up uh let's talk about that a little bit and uh did you see a lot of fast people you passed along the course yeah um well the race you know from the start took off pretty quick um and i thought i knew it was going to um but i thought that i i would run with um, my friend maggie for um a good bit of the first section but i was feeling like kind of crappy with like the altitude climbing up and um and just really not handling like the snow very well um and i maggie you know pulled ahead of me and and i just got yeah i i got left behind um in in that section i was definitely um i I definitely uh had some time to make up when i got out of the first you know whatever like 20 some 30 miles um but that was okay with me i knew i I was expecting to be pretty far back i think i don't know i want to say i was like 20 something if place coming into um robinson flat at mile 30 um and then i kind of came in there and i i had an idea of where i was and i kind of just told myself you know all right the rest of the day is just going to be about picking people off and um and not letting anyone pass me 
Um, and so I, that's when I decided that. And that's essentially what I did for the rest of the day. I kind of, you know, kept it in control, but, um, you know, still kind of pushing a little bit going to Forest Hill. Um, and that was kind of tough because from like Duncan Canyon to, uh, or sorry, Robinson Flat to like Forest Hill. So mile like 30 to 62, I did not see a single woman you know, that whole section. And, you know, it was kind of tough because <laughs> I'm like, it, people are telling my crews telling me like, oh, there's a lot of carnage up there every time I saw him. But it just took a lot of patience to kind of keep it in control and keep pushing forward um, without seeing anybody the entire time. And then once I got to Forest Hill, I was I was ready to run and I was ready to start racing. And so um, from there, I just there's this really nice long down hill section basically from like mile 62 to mile 78 you like lose a net 2,000 feet of downhill there's some uphills in there too but for the most part you're running really fast downhill and it's really nice single track to do it so I was just bombing down that section and I think I passed like nine women um, on that section going down to the river and I was just blazing and when I got to the river I was I, I had gone from like I think I was like 16th place at um, at Forest Hill mile 62 and at the river I was uh, in eighth place and so yeah and then I, I just kept pushing the whole rest of the race um, I was able to catch one other one other woman on that section um, and I was I was closing the gap on the the women in front of me but you know just not quite enough race left to to um you know, pass them. Got There's you. for next year. <laughs> <laughs> you always yeah. there. There always needs to be a goal for next year, I guess. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so talking about that. Um, so as you ran through this course, before we talk about the finishing line and beyond, uh, let's talk about a couple. I have a couple of questions on this. Uh, what was the best uh, part of the course that you enjoyed? Oh, um, definitely. Uh, forest hill to the river. I mean, that section is just awesome. It's just really runnable, um, mostly downhill. Um, and especially after there's three aid stations in that section before you hit the river, they're all, you know, you can't, there's no crew access at any of them until the river. Um, but I think it was like, I want to say after the second aid station. So they call it like Cal two, um, and down to the river is just like the best part of trail it's just yeah it's just awesome really nice gentle downgrade on this like smooth single track it's just really awesome definitely what is the what is the worst part for you maybe coming through the ice section the, the first 20 miles i guess yeah definitely <laughs> all the ice and the like mud and stuff in the high country um no i mean i think i think just like in general the high country um like the the climb it, not probably like with the the conditions all the like the snow and stuff at the top was the worst for me um probably on any other year it's going to be the the first climb and like when whenever you're at altitude um just because you know i'm not i'm not going to be acclimated for that um and it does i do feel you know altitude when i'm i'm kind of racing at it so definitely talking about the finishing finishing area i saw your jump photo and i'm, I'm i love jump <laughs> photos you know I'm, I'm all about finishing line jump photo that was a pretty cool picture uh tell us about the experience coming in inside the, the inside the track i think that that's what you do do you do like a whole round of uh, a lap of the track or it's just the in, entrance like pinhoti does uh it's similar to pinhoti you run around a little further um i think it's a total of like 300 meters so like three quarters of the way around 
around the track. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just unreal. You know, it's when I finish, it's like the middle of the night and um, they've got all the stadium lights on and you've got like a small crowd there. And it's just kind of like that moment that you always dream of when you're you think about going to Western States, you know. Um, it was definitely, definitely really awesome. That victory lap, part lap around the track. Um, mm-hmm. And I did the jumping photo because um, my coach told me that I was not going to be able to jump after running the Western States course. And so I just had to, you know, <laughs> prove him wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and you did a good jump. That that looked like pretty good. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> the photographer definitely was spot on with that. <laughs> yeah, you had, a, you had a liftoff. So sometimes when you run 100 and of the hundred there's no left out but i still try though for me so so talk about that um did you know that you came seventh i, I think you mentioned that you knew as coming in uh, you were seventh or or you didn't know exactly what position you finished um no I, i so i had been getting like mixed information all day until i got down to the river um you know i'd be running i think i ran for like i don't know i ran for several hours just by myself and like i would come into eight stations and they would tell me um oh you're 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 uh seven 17th place woman and then I would come into the next one after not seeing anyone and they'd be like oh you're 11th place woman and I'm just thinking like <laughs> yeah. something's not right here so I, I couldn't really trust the information I was getting because um, it was you know so mixed and and conflicting but um, when I got down to the river uh, AJW was there you know like Western States expert and uh, I knew he was he was he would be following um you know, the women's race and men's race, but especially the women's race pretty closely. Um, and he told me, uh, he was working at that aid station and he told me I was an eighth there. So, um, at that point I was pretty certain that I was an eighth and pretty comfortably in top 10. And I was pretty confident that no one that I had passed going down to the river was going to pass me back. Um, because the women I passed going down to the river were either like, you know, totally done, um, they're just kind of like, you know, really slowly running, like they had just slowed down so much. Um, and I knew they would, they would have to come back from the dead to, to catch me for the most part. And I was still feeling good. Like I knew I could, I could sustain my, you know, my, I, I had, I was pretty confident that I wasn't going to crash, um, in the last 22 miles that I had left. Um, and so I knew that felt really good. because I knew I was fairly confident, you know, unless something really tragic happened, um, and, and unexpected that, that I was going to make the top 10. And so the rest of the race for me was just about trying to pick as trying as hard as I could to pick people off. Um, and so I, I was able to catch one woman, Claire Gallagher coming in, um, who had just, she was, yeah, crashed hard (laughs) in the last like 10 miles. So after, um, I crossed the river for the first like hour and a half after that, I was like reeling in, um, this woman, Caitlin Gerber, uh, who I knew was 10, she was 10 minutes in front of me at the river, according to Jeff, who was pacing me on that last section. And, um, I was working really hard to reel her in. And, uh, after about an hour, I could like finally see her headlamp, like coming around the turns and stuff. Jeff was still with me, but he was having some like headlamp problems because he essentially what happened is he turned his headlamp on turbo mode and didn't realize that Mm. the torch only lasted for (laughs) like less than two hours when you do that. Um, and so his headlamp's dying. So he's going by mine. When I saw her headlamp, I really started pushing to catch her. And, uh, I, on this one little like downhill that was like kind of rocky I just like bombed down it and uh left him behind and 
he is, <laughs> you know, got too far behind me, couldn't see going down this rocky section and didn't have a headlamp. So I basically left him in the middle of the woods <laughs> in the middle of the night. Like, <laughs> and there's like, there's like mountain lion sightings and stuff like that night. Like, and there are like two mountain lion sightings and he's just like out there <laughs> and like, it's like two miles to the next aid station and stuff. But he was like, you know, he wanted me to go on. He was like, just go on. Cause like I had to, um, Definitely. you know, unless I, I would have waited for him. Um, so anyway, I, I roll into the next aid station. Um, finally catch Caitlin at the next aid station. Um, she and her pacer took one look at me and they just bolted out of there. Um, and the, um, section after that, that aid station was downhill. And so I left, I left the aid station without my water bottle. I had to run back up the hill partway to like get my water bottle. I turned back around with my water bottle, took off down it, passed her going down it. Um, and, uh, and then there immediately after that, there's like this steep uphill climb and she, I could feel her after I passed her. She, um, she like surged to like keep up with me. So she started like chasing me. Um, and we, we rolled over that next uphill and she like was like sprinting. Like literally we were running like, I think like sub seven minute mile pace. Like we were hauling it and, um, and she just kept it up and we still had like probably 10 more miles left. And I had to make a decision. Like I just, I have to let her go because I know she's not going to maintain this the rest of the time. And I just have to, I have to just keep, you know, pushing it until she slows down. Um, and so she, and, and I've actually never seen anyone, um, never passed anyone like that at the end of a hundred miler and had them do that. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like pretty impressed that she was even able to do that. But I was, I was like, oh, she's, she's going to slow down and I'm just going to keep pushing, um, and, and be smart about this. But you know what? I never caught back up to her and she, she just crushed it the last 10 miles and she ended up passing like two more women. Um, I guess she was like running scared from me the rest of the time. <laughs> I never, I never did catch her again, but I did, I did catch Claire. And so that put me in, um, in seventh. And so, um, Caitlin finished fourth, I finished seventh and then, um, Nicole, uh, I'm going to mess up her last name, Kigaropolis. Um, she's like super fasty, uh, you know, hundred miler, um, from, from Texas, um, she finished like six and a half minutes in front of me. And so I was, I, she, I have to look at how far ahead of me she was at the river, but, um, she was, uh, probably like at least 20 minutes ahead of me at the river. So I was moving it on the last part. So definitely, um, I think definitely knowing, you know, having run the course now and knowing, um, having a lot more knowledge about, you know, everything in the course. Um, and of course, you know, not hopefully not having the hiccups of like the headlamp stuff and everything next time <laughs> so that I have a pacer. Um, cause I, I definitely think running with a pacer in the middle of the night at that point, a hundred miler, I mean, it, it helps you a lot. I think kind of addressing those, those things, um, and being able to strategize a little more about the course and kind of where I want to push things. Um, I, I think I could definitely uh improve um coming back next year so definitely uh talk about a couple of things before we move on uh i guess the pacer uh, has to be able to pick up the speed that that you're willing to run as well you know that's that's the one thing i always wonder about those that you know you're you you're running seven seven minute pace uh that's pretty fast for a 
for trail race, trail running. So, I mean, it's fast on the road, you know. <laughs> I was not running that fast the whole time. I, I know, I know. I mean, but, but still, you know, you know, for, for a yeah. trail, you know, you can leave people behind very quickly, you know. Talking about that, uh, you mentioned many times about that next year. So you have guarantee entry for next year. Is that what you told me? Is that what what happens now as a, a seventh yep. minute? So uh, yeah, top ten um, men and women get to come back next year if they if they w- would like to. So I am planning to come back next year. So, so so for you for you are you gonna do a lot of races now or just stay focused only in the Western State because we talked about earlier at GRD but there were not so much time between uh, death race, Georgia death race and uh, Western State so will you be doing those or a lot of races or how how will you prepare for next year? Um, well, I will not be doing the Georgia death race. um i'm just gonna i'm really gonna try to um you know uh i'll probably pick up a few races in the spring but um i think that um you know I'll, i'll probably really try to keep them uh specific to western states um a little more specific to the course and i think the georgia death race definitely prepares you for western states um if you can finish the georgia death race you can finish western states hands down i mean i i actually um in in some ways i think the georgia death race is harder than Western states, um, just because of of the you know relentless climbing um, and everything that, that that puts you through. But uh, I just think that um, I'll probably do some races that that are just a little bit more specific in terms of terrain to Western states. And I'll probably be a little more strategic about where um, exactly I when exactly I choose to do those those races um, to optimally kind of like prime myself up for for western states in june definitely so. are you coming back to pinhody this year or no i will not be i'm not gonna do another 100 this year um i'm uh i'm considering going to the jfk 50 miler in november but um i'll kind of talk things over with um, my coach and kind of figure out you know if it, if it makes sense and everything um no i won't i won't be racing pinhody but um my friend liz canty will be running pinhody so i'm hoping to get out out there and um you know either either volunteer or kind of help crew her maybe pace her if she wants so yeah i hope to make it make an appearance at, at penhody but not racing this year definitely it'll be it'll be great to see you um, as i'm preparing for penhody this year i'm i'm finally coming back again <laughs> after uh, last penhody i i it took me it took me a little bit a couple few years to come back but that's okay this is, this is a 10th yeah, year well tenth. good luck <laughs> yeah, thank you I'm, I'm preparing training uh, uh jackie you uh you you have run um, many races and uh, uh, you you do a lot of things. Uh, you you also have uh, some sponsors and and they they help you out on this races. Uh, do you want to talk about them? Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, Milestone Sports is my primary sponsor. They make a um, little sensor that attaches to your shoe and it gives you information about your running mechanics. So um, it will show you uh, metrics like rate of impact or how hard your foot is hitting the ground. Um, it shows you what part of your foot is hitting the ground first. So you know heel, midfoot. So it shows you things like um, your leg swing. So how how far your leg swings up as you're kind of swinging it through um, to, uh, you know, before your your foot hits the ground again. Um, But also tells you stance time or ground contact time. So how long your foot is on the ground and all of and and a number of other metrics, too. Um, But all of these metrics that it shows you are metrics that we know are related to injuries in runners. And uh, I'm a physical therapist and, and I also have a Ph.D. in biomechanics. So this is, of course, highly um, interesting to me. Um, and I think it's great that, you know, 
for the first time in in you know a number of of years really over the past few years for the first time we're able to give this information to um runners out in the real world at a very low cost you know one one milestone pod that you can attach to your shoe costs 25 dollars, and the app itself is free so i think it's great that we can make this information available to runners at, at such a low cost and also um get insight into how um these running mechanics behave in the real world and also change with fatigue because they definitely change with fatigue. Like I, I can tell you from, you know, my own training that I see this all the time. Um, and when I start feeling tired, I see I see those metrics changing, um, <laughs> which is, is actually pretty interesting. So I try to be really cognizant of that in my training. I think it's definitely helped me um, stay injury free and consistent in, in training. But um, yeah, and, and before these, um, you know, wearable technology devices were available, People really only had this information when they were when they could make it to an eighty thousand dollar motion capture lab and mm. you know to see these metrics and in ground force plates and all that. So, so that's definitely um, cool. They're they're my primary sponsor. Um, and then um, also uh, sponsored by Saucony. I think I'm their first and only trail running athlete. So we're trying to change that <laughs> <laughs> and uh, get a get a trail running team going. But um, Saucony is awesome. I really love their shoes. Um, and uh, I wore the Peregrine Sixes for uh, Western States, which were really great for um, for our, the terrain there because um, they're really a versatile shoe. And they they also helped um, helped some of the expenses for for Western States and and actually made the whole thing possible for me to go to um, because Western States expenses can add up a lot, as you can imagine, a trip right. to California and all that. Um, and then uh, and then Nathan Sports. Um, also, uh, I'm an ambassador for them and, um, and use, uh, their, their hydration products. Um, I use the, uh, the vapor how four liter hydration pack for Western States, which is kind of like a lightweight, um, race vest. And, uh, I really liked that. It was really comfortable all day. Um, I never ran out of water the whole time. Um, and, uh, and they make just like a number of really good, really good hydration products. Um, so yeah. I recommend all three of those products, <laughs> all three of those companies' products. <laughs> and definitely, and it, it, it has helped you to be who you are or help you to throw the Western State, and that definitely. I have not tried Saucony shoes yet, so men need to look into it, too. I'm, I tried I tried varieties of shoes. You know, I go, I'm not one shoes guy, so, so I'll, I enjoy it. Yeah, they're, uh, the Peregrines are um, definitely my favorite trail running shoe they make, and um, the Kinvara uh for the road shoe, you can't go wrong with that. And um, and their new sh- relatively new shoe, the the Freedom ISO, um, is also really awesome. It's similar to the Kinvara, um, which is like really responsive and everything, but it's got like a kind of almost like a springiness to it. It's really really nice. That's nice so. to know. So. Um, all the people who are listening, they they're looking for different Sioux uh, design or Sioux company, and there here's here's your choice for you. So Jackie, we talked about a lot about running, training, running Western State, running hundred mile, Georgia Death Race, uh, so many different topics on on this one, and I learn a lot just listening to you as I'm training for a hundred mile or uh, Penhody. Maybe I I wanted to do a little bit better than I did last time. Before we close this interview, can you give a word of advice to people who is training for a hundred mile uh, for the fall or 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 the winter or next? Just give a word of advice. Yeah, uh, I think my words of advice um, coming off of Western states would be uh, respect the distance. Uh, 100 miles is a long way to run. And 
Um, you know, we all know that, but <laughs> really just trying to, you know, keep yourself in check um, the first 30 miles because they really don't count. Um, and what counts is is that last, you know, 20 to 40 miles. Um, and, uh, and then also, um, you know, respect the elements. Uh, I had time goals going into Western States that uh, this year that I, you know, threw out the window when <laughs> we started in high country and I was sliding all over the snow and couldn't, you know, just couldn't run um, just given the conditions. And then, and then of course the heat of the day, um, you know, that's physiology, you're going to slow down. So I would say, you know, it's, it's not, it's not a bad thing to have, have time goals and, and, um, have goals you want to meet, but be ready to adjust them when, um, the conditions or the heat are just not going to allow it. And don't, try to battle the elements. So That sounds like a great word of advice, uh, Jackie. Uh, great talking to you again. Uh, good luck uh, as you go forward uh, for preparing for Western State uh, 2018. Uh, looking forward to hearing a lot of great things about you and your progress. And uh, see you at Pinahody, uh somewhere in the trail. Uh, thanks, Jackie. Yeah, thank you for having me. If you have a need to cover your events, from marketing to taking photos, please contact mruns.com by emailing at marathonruns at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to another episode of Emirates Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast channel, Voice of Runners, at iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and more. And also follow our social media channel, Marathon Runs, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube.